Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. If you're interested in Tesla, don't miss Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast hosted every week by me, Ryan McCaffrey, a longtime Tesla owner and super fan. On episode 200, I had Elon Musk on for an hour. On episode 220, I talked to Tesla's chief designer, and I'm also there at every big Tesla event covering it in person. Ride the Lightning recaps and analyzes everything happening with the world's biggest EV automaker each week. Hear about the latest Cybertruck developments, the next-gen Roadster, the Model S Plaid, plus the newest updates to the Model 3, X, Y, and more. New episodes have been dropping every Sunday since 2015, so jump in and enjoy. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast service, or check it out at patreon.com slash Podcast. That's Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. Well, we talked to a professional racer, three-time Le Mans driver, Trans Am champion, Chris Dyson, of course, of the uh, Rob Dyson fame that's his father we're getting into the nuts and the bolts of the upcoming uh professional trans am race i'm doing because he'll be in it as well get into that we'll talk a little uh, lightweight bmws and uh we'll talk about uh some cobra kits and regulations but first there's geico would you love to save some money on your insurance of course you would and who doesn't love a deal when it comes to great rates on insurance for everything geico can help Insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, RV, even your homeowners, condo, or renter's insurance. They are all covered with GEICO. Save even more with special discounts when you bundle coverages together. Plus, they have an easy-to-use GEICO mobile app and 24-7 roadside assistance. So it's easy to switch to GEICO. It's a no-brainer. Switch today and see just how much you could save at GEICO.com. Go there and get a rate quote, or contact a local agent. Yeah, get it on. Got to get on a chesicken, man. Get it on. Welcome to CarCast, man. Pearl, that's Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, hey, over there. What's how are you? Good. How are you doing? Doing all right. Are you... Uh Getting are, uh, the buzz of Amelia Island uh, getting to you, coming down a little bit. Certainly, the auction with the with the Toyota 2000 GT, which became the most expensive Japanese car and the most expensive, I think, Japanese car at auction. And uh, yeah, it was exciting. The the Shelby Toyota 2000 GT that we talked about. Yeah, it's, it's one of those oh, those cars always look really good in photographs, but when you get up on them, you go, oh, they're kind of small. And they're also sort of gutless. I mean, like 135 horsepower stock. Yeah. That well, thing's probably cranked up to like 210 or something. With all the buzz of, you know, the way the algorithms work on the internet is, is once you start looking up something, right, it starts showing you ads and content and Facebook is like, oh, you like the 2000 GT or if you like the whatever bicycle, you like the whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, I noticed that uh, Bobby Rahal has a Toyota 2000 GT and he won best in class at Amelia Island. Wow, red one. A red one. He's got a red one. So he had one, and he's been restoring it. Mm-hmm. Just so happened at the same year at Amelia that the Shelby one was going up for auction. And he just, uh, yeah, he just won yeah. best in class. I, I told you <laughs> the uh, before that, the uh, estimate at uh, 2.7 to 3.5, I said, that's pie in the sky. Yeah. 
uh, there's no way. But I said if it cracks too, that's that's a big deal for the Japanese car market. Yeah. Um, now that car's a million bucks now in the street street clothing. So it's, you know it's hard to tell what it means for the Z guys because uh, that car's a million bucks as as it is. But yeah. you know, for uh, the lovers of Japanese cars, it's it's a good day. The other car I told you, the car that was bought right, man, and I told you to keep an eye on it was the Trans Am Camaro two yeah. frame. Yeah, at, uh, RM had that one. Yeah, that was the um, God. I'm trying to think. Uh, peerless chassis, whatever. Beautiful restoration. Like, it just looked good. The car looked good. The race car looked good. And I told you before the auction, those cars just have never gone up in value. I think it's I think it's because they're tube frame. Um, it's also, it's a, it's American. It's tube frame. It's, it's whatever. But it's, you know, big BBS center locks. It's, it's got fuel injection. It's a real race car with a, with a bunch of history and probably a, Three hundred thousand dollar restoration on it mm-hmm. went for one seventeen. Yeah, that that's if you're looking, yeah, to get into the market on on like vintage race cars. You know, everyone thinks eh, eighty five. That's not vintage. Well, it yeah. it's, it's coming on forty years. You know, yeah. uh, those two frame Trans Am cars. They just they're just not popping. Yeah. Like er, er, yeah, so that's a good buy. Everything is popping around them. Even uh, even indie cars with some history and that kind of stuff, but the 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 NASCAR stuff and those those tube frame Trans Am like mid eighties cars just just not not moving. It costs a lot to get one race ready. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you just get one sort of as is, you're you're going to have to take it down to the down to the tube frame and straighten it out and powder coat it. And well, you know, I've been through that, but yeah. That car was nut and bolt gone through, looked beautiful, uh, had kind of a cool like Levi's livery and, and stuff like that, had some pretty decent race history, not, not, not big races, but a couple, definitely some podiums and some drivers you've heard of. Uh, at 117, that's about, that's less than half the price of that restoration. Yeah, right. You couldn't. And you couldn't build if, it. if you want to get a car, and you know, go to go to Laguna Seca for the Rolex Historics. That's the kind of car will get you into that race for well under a buck fifty. Right. I mean, that's that's well bought. And there's a few of them. You know, they're out there. Some pop up every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Various history, some different you know makes. And there's you know, there's a Z version of it that I have. There's an Oldsmobile version of it that I have. There's you know Chevy. There's some. You know, now, you know, the saline Mustangs or the, as I should say, the Roush yeah. stuff, you know, Mustangs and Capris are, are way up. Yeah, those are going. But, but those Camaros, they just haven't, haven't popped. I, that yeah. was probably about the body that, uh, my Newman car had say, on the it. The Newman when one I got is, it. you know, 87, was it? I don't A- know. 88, 89. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like I said, you're not going to find the Z. You might find an Oldsmobile. You might find like a Chevy Beretta. Yeah. In in that with the seat all the way back. It's an inside <laughs> joke for us. Yeah. But I mean, um, 
The Camaros are out there. They look pretty. They look good in race trim. They work. And yeah. uh, and that's a good way I, to get into that, that market. I but, mean, not all of them will qualify for for Monterey, but you will get them into other vintage races. And, and, and you know, only because they take 550 cars and it's getting very competitive now. There's over a thousand cars that apply and you kind of yeah. get selected. But that gets you – that could get you in. That gets you close. That certainly gets you into other vintage events. And you're right. For 100 and change, it's a pretty – cool little race car to get into it's a lot of car for (laughs) for that for that money and you have to be sort of ready to drive that much car but it it is a lot of car and that car would probably get in i think i don't know if it's um trying to think um had had a couple of drivers you've heard of ran two seasons you know complete seasons yeah had a like three first place finishes or something like it's 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 a livery that people recognize like you'd probably get in with that car yeah but i told you those things just aren't moving i they will move because if the roush version the capri and the mustangs are i don't know yeah well over five now right yeah, i, I mean they're in, the, then, they're in the they're in the five to seven yeah, six to eight the, the, the big now. money one was the tommy kendall car right that was a, a championship car and mm-hmm. that one went for i don't remember what it was seven something seven that was a few years i ago. think sort of high sixes but um chris dyson is a professional uh, racer and a trans am champion is going to join us soon we got plenty to talk to him about uh what else is going on in the car world uh, you know, um, one of the things that uh, that just kind of got passed in the political world, a little political good news, is, you know, about, I don't know, th- four years ago, SEMA uh, was lobbying to get this bill passed for the – I don't I know the actual term now the, – the sort of the kit cars to become turnkey and legal, the, like the superformance Cobras, right? You mm-hmm. can go down. You can buy one of those cars. You know, uh, you got to have the engine and transmission sort of separate, and then somebody mates them together for you, and you kind of walk through this process of trying to make it street legal. And there was a bill uh, that was submitted a while ago that w- would allow companies like Superformance to offer it as a turnkey car. You can walk into a showroom, give them your money, fire up the car, and go home. Mm-hmm. And it it finally got through. Um, it was approved years ago, but now it finally was whatever. It was attached as a fine print of some other bill that got approved. Mm-hmm. So uh, the rules are it has to be emissions legal, right? So whatever modern version of the engine, emissions legal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it uh, You can only make 325 of them per manufacturer per year. So Superformance can make 325 cars. But the cars also have to be – based off of an existing car at least 25 years old. So this isn't this I don't know, this probably doesn't help some kit car companies that are making something unique like Factory 5 or uh, Ariel Atom. Yeah, maybe Ariel Atom it doesn't help. That's a very good example, but it would help Superformance if you want to buy a Cobra or you want to buy a Daytona, uh, you know, the Coupe or something like that. Yes, you can I mean I, it probably even opens it up, allows Superformance to go, oh, everything's custom built. Now they can go, well, we're going to build five. We're going to put them in our showroom, and mm-hmm. whoever wants one, 
could just buy it and we'll ship it to you or you come and get it. And then whatever, we'll build another one when it sells. So they could always keep some inventory if they wanted to. But I And I don't know how much further it goes, but would it allow somebody like Superformance to go, oh, we're going to send one of these to Galpin. They're going to put it in their showroom and let them sell it you know, as like, like consignment on a dealer mm-hmm. because now it is a turnkey street legal car that you can register in 50 states. So and it's kind of a big move. It's kind of a win for the, you know, for the car community to be able to do that. I, all right, so you're not going to get your – you know, your 427 big block with no cats and, and whatever. Whatever. You get a street legal emissions legal version of it. But at least you can go in and get it. You know? It's kind yeah, of a good maybe, win. you know, and maybe, I don't know, philosophically, maybe guys overbuild those things a little bit. I mean, you got this kit car. It weighs 2,300 pounds. You're going with the Roush big block with the fuel injection and the side pipes, and, yeah. you know, straight exhaust. And and at some point, you got this 2,300-pound vehicle with an engine that's got, you know, 686 horsepower, and it's louder and shit. It's hot. And you're and, struggling to keep the engine cool. Uh, right. You know, like- and, and you kind of – you go, hey, it's – sun shining on a saturday you want to take the cobra it's like eh, let's just get in the camry right, I, right, I, right. I don't want to deal with it or you get the one that just has a turnkey coyote crate engine with 480 horsepower and it fires up fires up it sounds great it's reliable it doesn't overheat and right. fast as shit yeah <laughs> i've never really thought about it, but i think s- sometimes guys go for the brass ring when they build those cars <laughs> and then they they kind of build them right out of any kind of practical yeah. usage because they're just so loud and such a handful. And, you know, honestly, probably dangerous to guys that aren't used to it, that much horse, you know, horsepower to weight ratio and whatnot. I see here that uh, BMW is going to do a lightweight uh, M2 and M4. Yeah. And it made me think of uh, the lightweight M3s from back in the early, mid-90s. Uh, as well and it's funny we I, I feel like we saw a few of those pop up in different places at auction and things like that uh, bring a trailer that kind of stuff a couple yeah. of years back yeah yeah haven't well haven't they, seen one in when, a while when they sold off some of uh paul walker's collection of barrett jackson i think he had two of the e36 lightweights mm-hmm. um i recall like one he drove and one he didn't really drive that look, I love the M3. I like that style. The, the by the way, M3s in general, including that body style, are going up. The E30s or E30s, E36, E46. Like they're all all those. They're dra- kind of the three e, generations. The E30s of, are starting to go past a yeah. hundred grand, and they're going to drag up everything below yeah. it. And uh, I always thought those lightweights were kind of cool. They made a limited number of them. But I haven't seen one pop up in a couple of years, and I'm wondering if yeah. people are going, these things are on the move. I think I'm going to sit on this one for a while. You're right. They were hot for a minute. I think I think the Paul Walker car sparked some interest. It it brought up values. A few people moved them on Bringer Trailer quickly, mm-hmm. and now everyone's kind of sitting on them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but to your point, somebody was talking with uh, you know the, the new CEO of – of BMW and they said, you know, what kind of hot news, salacious news can you give us? And uh, he was saying the next generation M2 will be revealed at some point this year. So it'll be a 23 model and a lightweight variant of the M4, which is currently 
uh, available. So that could be kind of, then, kind of interesting. I, I think people should sign up for those cars, and I think that's a yeah. good collector car. And I do not know, Chris, you can take a look. The last E36 lightweight M3 to go across, but we're probably getting into the 80s and 90s. Yeah, at this point, probably on Bring a Trailer, you'll find them. You'll see them white with the uh, with the flag with the flag, the little checkers on the front I, fender. I always felt I was looking at one of those at a dealer for a while, and you know, it's got the radio delete, probably the yeah. cloth seats, like and new when it was coming out. It was like, uh, like, it was uh, it was probably a couple of years couple years old shopping around for an m3 and they're like yeah this one's forty thousand, and if you want it without a stereo it's forty five thousand. i always <laughs> felt like when you make something the lightweight edition and you put the checkered or you put the m m colored checkered flag on the back and yeah. stuff it's great that you carved out 218 pounds from this thing but i'd like a little horsepower bump yeah i, I you know things at 240 i'd like to see you get to like 263 or something like i like the notion of yeah. we've lightened this one and we tweak the cams we're getting a little more out of it yeah even if it's symbolic right 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 and you kind of want something other than just like exhaust and pulleys like you want to know that something's a little unique like it's got a unique like you said cams or uh you know intake manifold is a little more special to that car right mm-hmm. and then it starts to define it differently which some car, car companies were starting to get into, and you think about uh, even in the Mustangs, like when the Boss 302 came out in the 2000s, they're like, oh, this has cams and it has an intake manifold that are unique to the Boss. How bad do those old Mustangs look now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, not old. I mean, you know, 2006 or yeah, something. Yeah, like, like 2005, how- 2006, when that came out, it was like, oh, we're bringing it back. It's the new retro body style and whatever. And uh, – uh, how how kind of bloated and, and they were big. So big. I had I had one in two thousand five when it came out. I had one and you know, I'm on the phone with my brother and I'm like, Yeah, these cars are I don't know, three hundred and something horsepower now and I'm like, it doesn't feel fast though. It feels big. And I was like, it just feels big and heavy. Well, and, they've come uh, a long way in yeah. a short period of time. Chris Dyson, professional racer, man's done the 24 Hours of Le Mans three times, by the way. So I'm always interested in that. He's won a lot of championships in uh, Trans Am and beyond is now with us. Good to talk to you, Chris. Uh, hi, Adam. Hi, guys. Hello. How are you? And, uh, of course, uh, Rob Dyson, his father, everyone's – well, anyone who listens to this show would not definitely know who Rob Dyson was. Uh, yeah, good to see you. I'm I'm very interested in speaking to you because I got a Trans Am race coming up, and I'm wondering if you're going to be there, or if not, can I just pick your brain? I think you're going to race I, against them. <laughs> yeah, no, Adam, I will be there. Uh, the, the whole Trans Am National Series is going to be uh, at Laguna, and uh, thrilled to have you out there on the grid with us. Yeah, I'm. I'm. It, it's really. Uh, I did it. I did one professional race at uh, Willow a few years back, and it, it was really just the most fun I've ever had in a car. I just, I just loved it. I love those cars. I love the se- sequential shifting. I, you know, it was a. Per- I'm so used to driving vintage cars. It was a nice. It, it, it felt like a nice step up toward a sort of normalcy <laughs> like it was like it's still a crazy race car but it, it has some enough modern day accoutrements that it felt stable and dialed in and 
it just it just felt like a, a less uh, hair raising experience, even though you're going that much faster. Well, there's some of the fastest cars racing in the world right now, certainly the most powerful ones. And, uh, you know, as you said, they've got uh, some of the niceties, all, obviously all the modern safety equipment. Uh, we're on really sticky Pirelli tires and have a lot more downforce than when you would have driven the cars a few years ago. Uh, you know, you're, you're sitting in the mid 800 horsepower range and you don't have traction control. So it's still very much a driver's series. And that's what makes it so rewarding. And it's what makes the car so thrilling to race. Well, you know, when I did it at uh, Willow Springs, they got that big turn eight, and you you go into that turn about 153, 155, somewhere in that, that range, and all the, we've spoken about it, but you get a lot of downforce that keeps you on the track through that big, big turn. But I was thinking about Laguna Seca, and I was like, well, where where's the downforce going to benefit you on that track? Because there's a straight, but then you almost stop to turn yeah. in the Andretti at the end, and then you get back. You know, you get you get up the speed at the top of the hill, but then you drop into the uh, corkscrew. Like where where does the arrow come in on a track like that, or does it? Um, all the braking zones. Uh, you know, you have enormous downforce on the car at the end of the straights. Uh, so that's probably where you're going to get the most benefit. Uh, the, the cars do have a little bit more uh, low speed downforce than they did. We've, we've been allowed to aer- add aerodynamics the last few years, but not to any detriment to the racing. Uh, you know, through the left-hander after the corkscrew uh, and the section right before the last corner, where you're going, you know, over you know, 100, 120 miles an hour, you the, the arrow grabs hold of it pretty decently. But like you said, it's uh it's on its tiptoes through some of the slower things um what will you be driving that weekend so i'll be in the ta1 category with you uh the ta class uh be racing my number 20 um mustang um and uh yeah we're we we had some good success there last year and and uh the series was back full force and and uh should be a decent field of cars out there Chris, can you walk us through a little bit of the technical aspect behind the car? Maybe certainly how it's changed since then. Or I know. did it five years ago. Right, you're running. You're running the big V8. You said about 800 plus horsepower. Are you? Is everybody running like sequential transmissions now? And like, what's your setup? Yeah. So uh, yeah. So everyone right now is, I think, is is has all shifted over to the sequential transmissions. Uh, the weight is unchanged from when Adam would have raced with us. Everyone's making more horsepower than they were. I mean, we're obviously rev restricted to 8,600, but uh, everyone's been doing some work uh, in the engine departments. Uh, we've been adding more aerodynamics. The new tires, uh, you know, we spent last year developing uh, the, the, new, the 18-inch wheel configuration for the car. Uh, so we've got the benefit of Pirelli's uh, most recent experience around the world in Formula One and all their GT racing going into the latest tire, which is just a, a, a joy to, to race on a lot more stability, a lot more low speed performance, just more grip, more power, more downforce. What could be wrong with that? Is there a rule now in place for the sequentials that they're all still with a stick or do some people have a paddle? No, it's all, it's all hand operated. It's all hand operated. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's not, you know, you still have to execute the shifts uh, both up and down. And I, again, I think that's one of the uh, strong points of Trans Am as a driver series. It's not computer aided. Um, you know, you've still got to do the work. Is the, um, oh, well, let me give you a plug by the way, for, uh, before we get too far down the ro- <laughs> road, uh, Jim Weed by uh, Altwell, hemp-infused sports nutrition beverage to help you 
take uh, helps uh, helps take your workouts to the uh, next level. And let's uh, let's talk about that. How did you get involved with the company? So uh, actually, it's it, Adam. It's it's a friend a friend of yours, a, a, a Trans Am legend and a dear friend of mine, Greg Pickett. Uh, he and his family uh, are behind uh, Altwell, which is the parent company who was uh, featured on my car last year. This is their uh, latest offering into the beverage market, which they were uh, massively successful in with Muscle Milk. All right, and yeah, so it's it's a really yeah. It, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Pickett drove the muscle milk Mustang, I think, in the, the race uh, I drove in and, and happily mm. got off the course for a moment <laughs> just to let me get up a, a space or two, as I as I recall. But sorry, continue. Yeah, so this is uh, this is an exciting uh, uh, beverage product that they've developed. Uh, you know, obviously using all their know-how from the flavor and and uh, and beverage uh, world, uh, and and it's in an emerging space. Uh, you know, the CBD um, hemp infused products I think are one of the biggest biggest growth industries. Uh, you know, certainly it's gonna I think it's gonna be a smash hit, and it's 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 really built around the greatest you know nutritional elements. Uh, you know, geared around athletes. Um, it's got it's got a uh, clean caffeine energy, uh, the highest quality um, CBD products in it, formulated uh, not artificially but naturally, and uh, it's 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 just been released, and we're thrilled to be bringing it out to market and put, shedding some light on the brand of Jim Weed. You can go to uh, altwell dot com to find out more. So uh, you brought up tires, um, and I've I've been thinking a fair bit about uh, the tires. So from back when I ran last, uh, first the tires were cold, and uh, I spun off the track in a practice. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even I don't know warm up or something. I I got about a third of a lap into a race. Yeah, it was like I, first. I, I didn't know, do anything. Car. I barely got blipped <laughs> yeah. the gas, and the car yeah. just sailed off the track. Yeah. But anyway. I was embarrassed. The camera says otherwise. I, I was. <laughs> I footage. had the car tracking straight when I got into it. It just uh, anyway. Then uh, that made me nervous. Then uh, <laughs> later on, toward the end of the race, I started noticing the tires getting really greasy, and I had to turn and really turn. You know, up at the horseshoe at Willow, and I, I just started noticing it was like sliding all over the place. And um, so I thought, well, they kind of told me this is this is what the tires are going to do. Um, how have they eliminated any of the end of the race tires feeling greasy or is that still part of it? Um, well, yeah, the, the new, the new tires and the new construction, Adam, particularly the new compound uh, has a lot less degradation over a run. So really the only difference in the lap time that you're going to see is uh, largely the fuel weight burning off. As you know, we start with uh, 35 gallons of fuel in the cars and, uh, they are uh, by the end of the race, you're fairly light. So you, you start to see that correlation in the lap time to a far greater extent uh, than than previously. And like I said, uh, because the tires got a stiffer construction, the pressure variation isn't quite as high. So that means more grip. It means a more consistent contact patch, and th- therefore, uh, you know, more rubber on the road. All right, I'm going to ask you to commit to something. Every time I do something like this, I find some guy who knows what he's doing. In this case, it's you. And I go, hey, during practice, can I just follow you around for a couple of laps? And they go, yeah, yeah, sure yeah. thing. It never works out. <laughs> it never happens. The person gets in the car. They take off. I never see him again. I'm out in the middle. I don't know the line. It's it's a shit show. Can you commit 
to letting me follow you around for a couple of laps during a practice just to just to see the line. I'm sure we can figure something out, Adam. Uh, and obviously, you've got one of the best teammates in the in the mix, and in, in, with uh, Kent Waits, and and uh, you know you've got two Showtime cars out there. So if it's not me, I'm sure it'll be Ken. But we'll definitely get you up to speed. Yeah. I don't trust this Ken character. I don't know. <laughs> You're gonna have to make a speech at the drivers meeting, going. Who's going to commit to letting Corolla follow I, you around for a couple of laps? I want to your hand. There's a signed book in it for you or something. <laughs> you just got to remember where to break, Adam. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know because uh, I've I've got a lot of laps on that track, but not not at that speed at the uh, end of uh, of the straightaway, yeah. and then also uh, the line. After the corkscrew, never, never figured it out. It's, it's everyone drives through the middle of the turn. Some guys go up a little and drop down. Some people just kind of go stay in, stay down and tight. I can never. And, and we've noticed differences in the vintage racing, the different types of cars and, and as well, like they seem to be taking different lines. So good luck. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I need to follow Ken or, or Chris. Um, hey, Chris, how. How many laps are you guys going to do at Laguna Seca, or how long is this session? So it's it's every every Trans Am race is a hundred miles. Um, so I think Laguna maybe runs about two and a half, two and a quarter, two and a half miles. So we'll have to do the math on that. But I think uh, it's two point two three. Right. Okay. So yeah, I want to say we did like I want to say we were sort of thirty something laps uh, last okay. last year. We did the race and it ran the, the race last year ran with minimal yellows. And we've had a lot of good consistent races where uh, they've been flag to flag green. Yeah. What are some of your favorite tracks to race these Trans Am cars at? You know, it's kind of like wake me up and tell me where I am. And I'm usually pretty happy, Adam. <laughs> I mean, these cars are so much fun. It's not really a cliche to say, but they're they're fun everywhere. Uh, and we we hit some terrific circuits on the calendar. I mean, we're. You know, I mean, we started off in Sebring. We're going to be in Charlotte, Atlanta, before we come out to California. We hit up Sonoma, Laguna, and then we're at some of the great tracks over the summer. We're at Road America, which is one of my all-time favorites. We're at Watkins Glen. Um, you know, the series has put together a, a, a really terrific schedule for us. Um, and these cars are just fearsomely great everywhere. Yeah, I, I imagine Sonoma would be a really fun track to race, race these Trans Am cars. Um, oh, radio in the helmet. Uh, I had some difficulty last time in that I brought a helmet with no radio. And uh, this year, I'm, I'm committed to getting a setup in my helmet with a radio so I can, you know, so I can uh, communicate with the team. But uh, I don't know what that system looks like. Do you have do you have earbuds? Are there speakers that are in the helmet? Like what? How do you run it? So, I, I mean, the cars are loud, Adam. I mean, these are properly met heavy metal cars, you know, 100, 100 plus decibels. Uh, I, I'd recommend getting some decent uh, earplugs if you could get a mold done. That's usually the best. Mm -hmm. I, I think that, you know, some folks use the, the over ear headphones, but I think having the benefit of the ear protection with the earplugs with the in earbud uh, speaker is probably the best. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're they're super loud. I don't think there's any communicating when you're on the throttle. I even if you have good earbuds, is that correct? 
Yeah, you 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 generally, uh, you know, and you've got you've got a great crew on on your car, Gary Celix. He knows when to talk to you, and he knows it's probably not great to talk to you in the middle of the highest speed corner or in the middle of a braking zone. Uh, Unless you're doing kinda. something wrong. <laughs> hey, Tommy Kendall told me once when remember remember Tommy used to do that show called like Test Drive. Or, Test Drive, yeah, it was a good show. And uh, we went to uh, Willow. I've done it with him a few times. Maybe you're doing the AMGs, doing the AMG cars. No, we well, we drove uh, like the Dodge Magnum wagons. Oh yeah, the wagons. <laughs> I literally Boy, that like, was a minute ago. Uh, a part of my wagon like fell off while we were driving. <laughs> like I don't even know what it was, but the point is, is Tommy started going nuts in this souped-up uh, Marauder, you know, wagon, and uh, you talk back and forth the whole time. Yeah, it was Magnum, Magnum wagon, Magnum yeah. wagon. I call it. It's a Marauder. The Come Marauder on. is. Uh, uh, yeah, I think there was a different one. Uh, it's a throwback. Car. Yeah. Anyway, um, he said to me, you know, Adam, uh, I always do the show with people, and they're they're very chatty, but once the car breaks loose, they zip it. And I and he said, you never shut up. <laughs> <laughs> he said, even when the car's sliding off the track, you're still talking. Just talking about it. Just talking about it. I said, what's well, going- what's one got to do with the other, Tommy? <laughs> I can talk and slide off the track in a magnum <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then we went to um fontana yeah and maybe then we we're in some sort of amg something i think because yeah because the series got sponsored by another by the car manufacturer so chris you you mostly listen you don't really talk to your crew or how much talking do you do what kind of feedback or information are you supposed to give them or if anything you know, our, we we're not, we don't have pit stops in our series, so you know, I I will occasionally just ask mostly for the gaps to the competitors, kind of where we stand on lap times uh, in the race, uh, and and you know how much time to go. Um, I, I try to keep it, you know, strict strictly business in the race, and and try to keep the area the radio as clear as possible. In practice, I'm more vocal. You know, in practice, you've got a chance to talk about changes you want to make, and you've got limited time to to make adjustments. Uh, so you're, you're given more feedback, but in the race, I'm much more down to business. Are you uh, monkeying around with the sway bar? Because um, when I did it, there was a clear tube that went to a nipple that was attached to the adjuster for the sway bar. And I was just looking at it and I went, hydraulic sway bar. Yeah. What is this? How is that possible? How does that work? Later on, I was informed, I think after the race, that that was just a holder for the drink tube. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, there's no hydraulic fluid in this tube. How am I going to... Yeah. Someone's got to bleed this tube. But it's just where they made a stop for the for the drinky tube. Yeah. They could have told me about that they before could the race. About that too. They could have labeled it. Are you, eh, <laughs> are you monkeying with your sway bar throughout? Yeah, so Adam, it's it's kind of nice to have the adjustability in the car. We've got adjustable front and rear sway bars, and usually what you can do is, you know, you can you can make an adjustment to the roll bar for full tanks, or maybe after a yellow when the tires aren't quite up to operating temperature, to give the car a little bit more chance to roll or more support on the front end or the rear end. You may have more push at the beginning of the race. If that's the case, you may want to stiffen up the, the rear bar, soften up the front bar. And as the race goes on, the fuel starts to burn off. You may want the front bar stiffer to give yourself more support on the rear rear wheels. Is, um, is there a cheat sheet or sort of a rule of thumb? Should we, should we go in, hey, around lap 10, maybe, you know, quarter turn here because uh, otherwise. 
Yeah. It's a lot of... It's a, lot, it's a lot more butt feel. You got to figure out what's going on. I, I otherwise don't touch it, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I think ultimately it's it's a fine tuner. You know, it's not going to turn the car upside down. So you know, it, it, but it is it is one of those uh, nice tools to have, uh, it, as well as your brake balance. Those are the things where we can make in car adjustments during the race. It sounds like you got to do a lot of shit in there: front and rear sway bars, <laughs> brake balance, talk to the guy on the radio. Well, I, I think all the stuff you don't normally do when you're racing, the vintage no. racing, you just go out and if you, we don't even know if you go off the track, we're usually getting a beer. So, I, you know, we don't even know until somebody says, hey, Crawler went off the track, the announcer. Yeah. And then we're going to like, Sean, put down your hot dog, go get Adam off the track. Well, I guess <laughs> I'll just, I'll see if I can figure it out before the, before the race and let the, whoever's doing the spotting on the radio, hopefully tell me when to dial it in yeah or if during the practice we can go hey maybe you know maybe lap 12 try this give a quarter turn and then you know lap 20 maybe try this who, who knows i don't know if there's sort of a a way to sort of i don't know preemptively figure out like what it what might be a good move is uh is tommy dreesey going to be out there uh, I, at best I can tell, he will be there. I mean, Tommy and I are pretty regularly in contact. We have a standing countdown as soon as we leave the race that we were just at. We usually start counting down the days to the next one. And uh, we're, I think, already at one week out from our next one in Charlotte. But he'll definitely be there. He was a runner-up in the series last year. And I know he's trying to run for points this year as well. I wonder, you know, they're also doing a vintage race out there that weekend, which is fun because you got the modern Trans Am cars, but you get to look at some of the cool old pony cars from back in the day and, yeah. and, and many other categories. I was taking a look at the sort of vintage rundown. They seem to have quite a few run groups out there. I know Tommy has some vintage stuff too, and I'll be curious if he brings any of that out. And, uh, with some, do you, do you run any, any vintage cars, Chris? Um, pretty rarely. Uh, to be honest, I, I, I got asked to do, uh, you know, the SVRA uh, had this V-Rock a few years ago, so I got to drive some really cool stuff. I drove an old uh, Mustang, but I don't have anything in my stables that I race actively now. Well, we have a 510 2.5 Trans Am do car. Do you really? Yes. Do you? A few. One, well, a BRE 510, as a matter of fact. Uh, but we're thinking about maybe bringing... You know, the, the B sedan 510 alpha guys are always like, Hey, come on out, bring a car. And, uh, I'm like, yeah, that would be really cool, but we're just trying to figure out how the schedule works mm-hmm. because obviously the priority is going to be the big Trans Am car. But if there's some space in there or it works out scheduling wise, it'd be fun to putt around in that 510 too. Or maybe well, that'll throw me off completely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny though, Adam. I think the seat time matters, and uh, you know, my dad actually started in a five ten. We've got uh, we've got a, a replica of his uh, his car that he started racing back in uh, nineteen seventy seventy four. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'll uh, I'll take some pictures and show you. Yeah, show me because we've got uh, a couple of BRE five tens mm-hmm. and uh, the different drummer five ten. Which you, was you guys- a Greg's. Sorrentino? Sorrentino car. Yeah. yeah, but some some real 2.5 Trans Am series cars, one with a brass tag even, which is very rare for the Trans Am series. And fun as hell to drive, completely different experience than uh, the big TA stuff. But 
maybe equally as exciting because you just have to go balls out all the way. There's such momentum cars. And a really fun run group, too. Really competitive, equal kind of run group. And good, good dudes with. in that group. Good people in that group. It's yeah. really fun. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't attract the douchebags. I don't know. There's something about five ten guys. Yeah. They're they're humble. Yeah. But they're fun and they're good, you know, and they're fast in those cars. They they always do those they'll do Laguna Seca the same lap time as the big Trans Am, you know, Mustangs and uh Camaros and stuff like that of the, the same era. So, you know, it's just it's tighter, it's a little less horsepower intensive and uh and those guys can drive. So hopefully We'll bring the uh, the uh, different drummer five ten, and we'll you can uh, reminisce and definitely show me some of those pictures, Chris. Let me give you a plug. Go to altwell dot com and check out Jim uh, Weed by Altwell, and uh, then we'll see you on the twenty first, twentieth. I'm trying to think when we're out there. Uh, I think it's yeah. twenty two through twenty four. We're gonna head up. I think we're gonna be up there Thursday night because you got to get up bright and early for that drivers meeting. Yeah, I need you to take notes for me at that driver's yeah, meeting. You can I, just Zoom, maybe <laughs> FaceTime from the meeting. <laughs> well, well, Adam, we, 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 yeah, we're really looking forward to having you up there. I think you're really going to like the the, uh, the paddock there. Um, you know, I, uh, I have to say uh, I'm grateful for the connection and uh, obviously grateful for Ashley Van Dyke, who I think is a friend of your, the show, friend of yours, oh, yeah. uh, for kind of bringing us together. She's the reason I'm in this series and um, uh, she's created a lot of uh, excitement there. And uh, she'll be, if, if whatever notes that I can't take, she'll take for you. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, thanks, buddy. I look forward to seeing you. And uh, this is going to be fun. Chris Dyson. Thanks, my friend. Okay, Adam. Take care of yourself. All right. Well, that's yeah. good. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a fun event for sure. Oh um, yeah, Sonny's gonna be buzzing around on his electric bike. Uh, I know we're kind of running out of time. I just wanted to say congratulations to our good friend Pete Brock. He was inducted into the Motorsports Hall of Fame. There was a big ceremony the other mm. night, and uh, you know, you and I were just on the phone talking about Pete and how much we love Pete and how much he's done in the industry, just beyond you know Shelby and. You know, mm-hmm. his hang gliding experience and everything else. And uh, I saw some of the displays that were there to honor Pete with all of his memorabilia and his jackets and an old helmet. And and, and also love him because he's not in the Racers Hall of Fame. He, of he is now. Oh, well, he is now. And, uh, you know, he's got a scarf. He dresses like Speed yeah. Racer. Yeah. <laughs> well, we love Pete. We love yeah. Gail. And uh, God bless him. All right. Uh, you can go to, let's see, what do we got uh, in the plug department, Chris? You can go to ampcurl.com for all the live shows. Um, I think Kansas City is sold out. But Austin, Texas, Cap City Comedy Club coming up March 25th, 26th. Indianapolis, Helium uh, Comedy Club, May 6th and 7th. Go to ampcurl.com for all the info. What do you got, Motorator? You know, I've been driving the... Uh uh, I drove the Jaguar F, uh, sorry, the F Pace. Drove the mm-hmm. F Type and drove the Aston Martin Vantage that we've been talking about uh, earlier this week on the show. So you'll find all that on my social media at Motorator. So until next time, Adam Kroll for Chris Dyson and Matt the Motorator DeAndrea saying, "Keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel." For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. 
CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Would you love to save some money on your insurance? Of course you would. And who doesn't love a deal? When it comes to great rates on insurance for everything, GEICO can help. Insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, RV, even your homeowners, condo, or renter's insurance. They are all covered with GEICO. Save even more with special discounts when you bundle coverages together. Plus, they have an easy-to-use GEICO mobile app and 24-7 roadside assistance, so it's easy to switch to GEICO. It's a no-brainer. Switch today and see just how much you could save at GEICO.com. Go there and get a rate quote or contact a local agent. This February on Pluto TV, we're putting the spotlight on iconic black talent. Watch your favorite movies like Top 5, 48 Hours, and More Than a Game. And drop in to binge black TV classics like The Bernie Mac Show and Moesha. Pluto TV has hundreds of channels and thousands more movies and TV shows all for free. So download the Pluto TV app on your favorite streaming device and start watching today. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free.